Lord, we turn this time over to you, and we bless you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen. So we're going to continue talking about what's in his name, amen, uh, because we we really do, I, I just think it's good to get good understanding of things and, um, you know, not be assuming anything where you don't have to assume it and um, to understand really what the scriptures have to say about the things. Sometimes you can hear terms used and people, you know, there's always pet doctrines and pet phrases running through uh, the body of Christ. But it's good to get foundational and have a great foundation and just build upon that. You know, once you have a solid foundation, you won't take anything into your your life that's not consistent with what God's been building in you. You know, people won't be able to ricochet you off and get you in error some kind of way uh, because your foundation is sure. And so this is this is my desire to see everybody on a firm foundation as much as possible. So it's just good to delve into the word. So I thought I'd go over to Revelation chapter 12 to, to, uh, talk about, cause we were talking about the warfare over the name. And <clears throat> I know that it's something that, you know, might, um, we might see as, um, maybe not real important or maybe you hadn't thought about it much before, but, uh, there are some aspects of, of, uh, God's, uh, kingdom that uh, pose a threat, a very, very strong threat to the enemy. And we need to understand that this this isn't a warfare. You know, sometimes a warfare can be um, a temporary thing. It can be a minor skirmish. It might be something that just popped up. Uh, you know, a little conflict, but some things are deep rooted in the earth and in the, the universe. And so I think the warfare over the name of Jesus is one of those deep rooted things, even though, to be honest with you, I didn't think a whole lot about it, uh, initially. And, and then God started to lead me to examine some things that, you know, perhaps I maybe had taken for granted or, or hadn't really looked at too carefully before. And so, uh, and I know we've covered this before in, in some of our teachings on spiritual warfare about the war in heaven and uh, where it started. I know some of you have been with the ministry for quite a while. Uh, this will be familiar to you because we've started out many of our meetings giving an explanation of why we are enemies with Satan. And so this gives you an understanding and you can understand. I think I understand better why God fights for us, you know, because really this is a warfare that we kind of inherited. It's not like um, we started something or it originated with us. Uh, Satan is the sworn enemy of God and of his kingdom. And so anybody else who's kingdom related, you inherit him as an enemy. Amen. And so when we, when we understand where this came from, it kind of gives it, give me a, an opportunity. Well, I can relax a little bit because this really is God's fight. You know, uh, we have to go through and we get the benefits of the, uh, the victory, but the fact that it's already won makes more sense because it was won a long time ago. 
this didn't just happen when you got saved and realized that the devil couldn't keep you down anymore. And there's some people that don't even know that yet. They've been saved a while and don't understand. You know, they're always, the devil did this and he won't let me do this. And, you know, and it's like, well, wait a minute. What does your word say? Amen. You have authority. You need to take authority and take authority over the spiritual entities, not over people. We don't have permission to tell people what to do. And have, you know, governing ability. Now, you have delegated authority in some situations. If you're a parent, you have delegated authority over your children. But the authority also means responsibility. So as you're being responsible for them, you need authority to back you up when you start trying to get get them to follow your instructions in life, et cetera, et cetera. And so, uh, uh, Authority does not come without responsibility. Amen. It, it just does. And so when we understand that, it's not like we're lording it all over the devil all the time. We are responsible to use our authority when it's warranted against him. You know, you just can't sit back and watch him do stuff and then jump in when you feel like you want to get involved in it. It has to be a, a principle that you lay down in your life that I hate the works of darkness, I hate sin, I hate the fruit of sin, and I'm the adversary of the devil in everything he brings, no matter who he brings it to. And so I think once we get an understanding of responsibility, authority, and that dynamic, then we'll understand better how God fights for us and goes to bat for us all the time. I mean, when we're naughty or nice, he'll go to bat for you, you know? I mean, uh, you got to have sense enough to repent and, and stop what you're doing and quit agitating the devil. But God does come to, to bat for us because he has a covenant with us for protection. Amen. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into the tower and find safety. Sinners can't run into that tower. Amen. And sometimes when we're out on our own committing sin, you can't see to find your way to God anyway. Say it again. You know, Christians who dabble in sin or who get steeped in sin are in so much darkness, they can't find their way to the strong tower. It's for the righteous because we can see where God's leading us. Amen. And so don't call yourself righteous if you're doing everything but the right thing. Amen. Amen. You have access to it. You can repent and get right back in again, but you got to do that first. You're running around and causing trouble for God's people and getting involved in, in all kinds of mischief that you got no business doing. You know, your chances of getting God's protection in, in your situation is pretty much sovereign to him. It's not like a covenant blessing that you can count on. You've seen people like that. They're out in the world hoping none of the saints see them anywhere and hoping they can get away with this and hoping they can get away with that. Well, the Bible says his name is a strong tower for us, the righteous to run into. Amen. So that is our comfort and that is our there's got to be conditions. You can't live any kind of way and expect God to uphold you. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you can pray for mercy for people and God will sovereignly give his kids another chance. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't play with that. 
You understand what I'm saying? But this warfare belongs to God. I'm talking about the spiritual warfare that the righteous are engaged in. And so in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, there appeared a great wonder in heaven. This is something that when it says wonder, that means that God has to give the interpretation of it. It's not, it's not really plainly spoken. And it says, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now many people believe that this woman represents Israel and represents the church. The, the child represents Jesus in the, and the descendants, his descendants that would come forth out of the nation of Israel. Amen. And, and the, the baby then would be the church that would be born or, or Jesus being the head of the church and he would birth the church. But this is a warfare against the descendants of God and the heirs of his kingdom. That's pretty much universally accepted, uh, to be what it is because it, you can see evidence of it in throughout the word and in, in, if you observe things yourself, you'll see a third part of the stars of heaven. That's, that's, uh, Lucifer who took one third of the angels, the ones that were assigned to him with him when he fell from heaven because of iniquity, he fell. And so God will not tolerate iniquity. He will not tolerate. That's why there's peace in heaven. That's why there's goodness in heaven. There's there's nothing but uh, uh, health in heaven. Everybody's in glorified body. There's praise and worship going on all day long. There's nothing but the spirit of God and the fruit of God in heaven because the the accuser was kicked out and cast down. And so there's no more disruption up there. Amen. God took care of the usurping uh, devil. Um, many, uh, many, uh, 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 eons ago. And so he- heaven's been cleared out. But when he fell, he came to earth. And earth, the fact that he was an inhabitant of earth made him a potential adversary for humankind. Amen. And so earth became his habitation and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, what has has Satan been been up to for centuries? Killing babies and killing the unborn if he can. Amen. That's that's played over and over and over again. And I believe that is there's a connection because she was about to deliver the child and he was waiting to devour it. It appears that whenever a a, a transition to a, a, a new move of God or outpouring of the Spirit comes, there is this attack on the unborn, on newborns. You got me? So it's a signal for us. Uh, it's a signal 
that God's up to something because the, the devil is now trying to root out all the gifts and all the potential of humankind to defeat him because he knows he's defeated already. So the way he operates is he will kill a baby in the womb just so he can get rid of those who are adversaries of him. He doesn't care. He'll kill newborns. He doesn't care. He'll give small children cancer because he doesn't care. Amen. And so he's he's out to destroy humanity. When Jesus fought him in the in the wilderness in Luke chapter four, we went over that last week. Um, the enemy was trying his subtlety again. He's got a lot of tools that he used. The same subtlety he used on Eve to get a a a, a a hold on humanity, he tried using it on Jesus in the in the wilderness. He told him he knew Jesus was hungry. He where when did he approach Eve? Probably at mealtime. Huh? If he had approached her after she ate already, you understand what I'm saying? I mean <laughs> he he'd be trying to get you in food all the time. You ever, you ever have a, a, a golden arches talk to you? Huh? Come. It's only so many calories, you know. And God's trying to help us. He even, he even has them write down how many calories is every, in everything. We just skip over that part. Go get the golden arches. Amen. So he tries subtlety. He uses every trick that he can with people so that he can get to them. Uh, to, to disarm God from his mighty weapons. And that's his army, his people. We are God's weapons against Satan. The church is his weapon against the enemy. Amen. And so Satan tries to disarm us of our power, talk us out of it, make us think we can't do certain things. We're not capable. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. All of the above. And so if he can seduce us away from God and God's truth, uh, he doesn't care how he does it. He'll, he'll see if he can get a, a stronghold or a foothold so that he can, can, uh, really, really disarm us and dismantle us. He'll take, take your weapons first. Cause there's nothing worse than a person that's discouraged. And frustrated and angry because the things they see in the Bible don't seem to work for them, you know. And so, uh, he'll, he'll do that. He's a thief. So he'll steal, kill, destroy. Uh, he'll do anything he can to get a, a foothold in our minds so that he can start robbing us of everything God has for us. So he stood before the woman ready to devour the child. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels. And they did not prevail. 
uh, nobody knows where they are to this day. <laughs> nobody in heaven. It said their place was not found in heaven. <laughs> what did they do? They threw them out, threw their clothes out, threw their furniture out, threw their house out. They got totally evicted. It said they, there's no trace of them. Nobody even knows that there was them folks up there. That's the way God wants us to approach the enemy. No trace of you is found anywhere. You're nothing and a nobody. I'm staying in my word. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand against you. I'm not going to do your bidding for you down here. It's not going to happen. Amen. And so in a great, the great, great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. So he's the great deceiver. And he was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation came already. Amen. Once the devil is defeated in heaven, earth is a small job. Amen. Earth is a small job. So when God defeated him up there, that spoke his demise in every level of the universe. Amen. Every level. He was defeated way back then. So he's he had no power when he approached the man and the woman in the garden. They gave up their power through deceit and deception. You know, people want to give women a hard time, give Eve a hard time about the devil deceived you. Well, how would you hold up? Would you hold up any better? Amen. And so you don't fault people. You don't look to post blame. The blame comes from the devil anyway, so stop using his tools. Stop being critical of your parents. Adam and Eve are everybody in here's parents as far as I know. So honor your father and your mother because you'll know what you would have done if you were in their shoes. Amen. But he prevailed not. This place was not found anymore. And he was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So they roam the earth now. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So mostly when the devil comes to you, you're overhearing a conversation he's having with God at the throne about you. You ain't no good. You ain't going to stick with God. You're going to go run back right back to that hell hole he pulled you out of. He's saying that before God at the throne in heaven. And we just hear, hear part of that conversation. Because he, he accuses us day and night. So what makes you think you won't pick up some of the conversation if he's at it 24-7? When Job had to overcome Satan, huh? what did this say in chapter 1? It says the devil went back and forth. He says at the throne of God and, and uh, the sons of God appeared and Satan with them. Amen. He going to show up at every party when he's not invited. He don't care if you don't send him in. He going to come anyway. He's like, uh, now I know somebody remembers this little character. Uh, El Martin, the little boy with the snotty nose that would come up to, 
Roscoe. That's just like not want Roscoe at your house party. He gonna show up anyway. He don't need no invitation. Amen. Amen. So, so that's who the devil is. See, he's like that. He, he just intrudes, pushes his way in, invites himself. And if you give him, whether you give him a place to sit or not, he's gonna hang around if he can. And he says, now is come salvation for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now the blood of the lamb is spoken of there as though it's already occurred because it had by faith. The lamb was slain before the found. See, it was, it was done by covenant. What Jesus said to the Father is, I will go and I will give my life for them. And it was taken as done when he said it. So he was slain before the foundation of the earth and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto the death. That means you live a crucified life. You live like God tells you to live. You can't overcome the devil and live for him too. Amen. And so when you sign up with Jesus, you sign up to live the life he called you to live. Nothing more, nothing less. It's a good life. Get used to it. Amen. It's a full life. It's a a powerful life. And he says, therefore rejoice, ye heavens. So that's why there's music in heaven all the time, rejoicing in heaven. They're singing the song of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory. Honor and power. Unto the Lord our God. Amen. And and this is what's sung around the throne. They're singing around the throne because it's done already. Even though it was just spoken of then, they considered it done. They said the lamb has been slain for this already. And so the accuser of the brethren is cast down. And when they saw him fall like lightning out of heaven, they were glad to see Roscoe get up out of there. Amen. With his snotty nose and the third of his his buds with him. Amen. And when the dragon saw he was cast to earth, um, oh, I'm sorry, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. So there's trouble down here on earth until we get refuge from God. Amen. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. That's why he's so mean. That's why he's so hateful. That's why he'll do anything to harm and hurt humanity. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. That's where persecution was birthed, persecution of the church. So you can see it's from way back. So it's not like it's something new. It's not like it's something that that God does not give us a remedy for. But this is the warfare. We get persecuted by the enemy. We get accused. We get confronted. We get all of the trouble he wants to bring us, but we do overcome. See, you overcome and there's a specific way you do it. You've got to trust in the shed blood, not in your own abilities, not in your knowledge, not in your scriptures. You quote so, so well or, you know, whatever it is. It's the blood of the lamb that gives you access to spiritual weapons that will defeat Satan. And so, and the word of your testimony, that means you got to speak the word of God. 
That means that you've got to testify about what God does. And you'll see that in the book of Acts, the early church. That's how they lived, on testimony. They would uh, gather. They would share the word under the apostles' doctrine and prayer. They prayed regularly. And, and they would get up and testify the things that they had seen and heard. Amen? The things that God was doing. And so he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child. And the woman and two women were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half time for the face of the serpent. So you, you, we have a place in the spirit where we don't have to face the devil every day. See, there's a place prepared for us. That's a secret place of the Most High. Amen? And so we don't have to listen to his nonsense. We don't have to put up with him. We can escape to the place that God has for us. And the serpent cast out his mouth water as a flood after the woman. So he vomits out of his mouth water that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now, I believe that's how hell was formed. That's just me. Amen. Because of the earth, where is hell? It's in the bowels of the earth. Amen. And if, if that is true, then God didn't really create hell. Hell was created by Satan and God just found a place to contain it. So he contains it in the bowels of the earth. Other than that, we would have fire shooting out behind us everywhere we go. But we get the fire of God. The glory of the Lord is our real reward. Amen. And so God follows us and not this flood that the enemy set out to destroy and persecute the church with. We see some parts of it now. There's persecution in the earth. There's places where Christians are hated. Um. We read about it all the time, you know, and the uh, voice of the martyrs, you know, is good at making us aware how to pray for different places in the earth. But they come in and burn down villages and murder people because they serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so some of it gets loosed, but the most of it is contained, see? And so hell is a place, the Bible says, prepared for Satan and his angels. It's not prepared for people. But if people insist on going, you understand what I'm saying? You'll get there. In fact, we're all on our way there until we meet the Lord. So that's a necessary, yeah, that's a necessary thing to meet the Lord on this side of, of eternity. Amen. That's why God gives us power. We have eternity locked up in us. You know, we can, we can make the difference between somebody's eternal fate. Whether it's, it's heaven or hell. Amen. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make her war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of the Lord. So if you're doing the will of God, you're prime target. Amen. It says her seed that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
He died for you. He saved you. I gave my my life to Christ when I was X number of years old. He baptized me in the Holy Spirit. That's us, and we get we have the warfare. We're the remnant that get the warfare. Amen. And so when you think about the warfare over certain aspects of our covenant with God, the name of Jesus has great warfare against it because all the essence of his his character, his nature, his power, his authority, all his gifting is encapsulated in his name. Amen. The gifts and the callings of God are without, they're irrevocable. So the irrevocable gifting of Jesus is in his word, in his name. Amen. So when you speak that name into situations, his irrevocable gifting comes forth. That gifting to heal that gifting to give wisdom, that gifting to deliver, all of that comes forth when that name is spoken in faith. That's why the warfare against the name of Jesus is so intense. Amen? And if you don't think it's intense, you look at all the ways even saints use the name of Jesus. Now, I've spoken about this before, but it bears repeating because, you know, people sometimes get real casual about how they address God. Somehow, carnal minds think that if they don't show respect, reverence, honor, those kinds of of uh, uh, spiritual forces are not offered up toward God, that makes them somehow on a higher or different plane than other people. You understand what I'm saying? Religious people are this way all the time. Look at the Pharisees. They hated him, wanted to kill him. They considered him worse than. And there's an element in church life that has the same attitude about Jesus and his name. You'll hear some, sometimes saints will just, Jesus, you know, like an exclamation, like a, a, you know, like a cuss word. People in the world, you know, GD or, you know, using, uh-uh, that's anything that's not done in faith for the gifting of Jesus to come forth in a situation is a vain repetition of his name. It's a vain use of his name. And see, a lot of times people think that makes them seem more, um, more knowledgeable, more mature. I can use the name instead of saying amen when you preach, I'll say Jesus like that. Yeah. I'm more knowledgeable than you. They come across that way. When they're ignorant, they're blind, and they're in error. You understand? So cultivating a healthy understanding and respect for the name of Jesus and using that name properly will serve you well. Trying to sound casual and like, you know, you just throw that name around because you, you're different than everybody else is. Get a grip on yourself. Because many times that's why sometimes life doesn't get too, too much better too quickly. Why, you know, prayers don't work as effectively as they could because there's no respect nor is there faith in that name to do anything. Because if you're saying it just out blatant like that, what are you, what's, what's the desired effect that you're expecting from that? See, if, if I lay hands on, on someone and tell them to be healed in the name of Jesus, I'm expecting his gifting as the healer to be present for them. 
Amen. If you're not using it in one of the functions that he left it for us to use it, you're using it incorrectly. So get a grip, start, you know, sit down and get some understanding and, and get off the religious bandwagon. Amen. Get, get on, get in the presence of God and help, ask him to help you to understand and show proper reverence for the name that he's given us. Amen. The devil was fighting the woman over the name. Not just over the sun, but over the sun and everything he stood for. Amen. He was fighting the woman over health and healing, redemption, restoration. Amen. It, over uh, uh, the new birth and the forgiveness of sins. He was fighting all of that right up there in heaven because that's what the name of Jesus stands for. Amen. Among other great things. And so when, when the, the the religious leaders of the day, the Bible says for envy they wanted to kill Jesus. They were jealous of his ability to speak with authority, to get the people's attention, to be able to to minister to people, alleviate suffering, all that kind of stuff. They were quick to call him a, um, uh, uh, a a warlock. They said he was doing things under the devil's power. All that accusation that came against him came from the serpent working through the religious people of the day. Because who accuses the brethren day and night? Satan does. And he'll get in people and people will start accusing. Amen. When when you accuse a blood-bought person of something, you have to be careful that you're not accusing the blood of Jesus of not being powerful enough to to change that person, to wash them clean. Amen? Just because we see sin on somebody, that doesn't make them accusable. Amen? It really doesn't. It, it just means that you'd go mind your business and make sure you don't. You don't get in sin messing around trying to find fleas on somebody. Amen. And the Bible says, why are you talking about calling your brother has got a beam in his, um, a little, no, a toothpick in his eye or a, a you know, a little piece of shaving, uh, uh, you know, sawdust in his eye and you got a plank in yours. Amen. Because the one who's looking to accuse is already blinded. Amen. And so we have to be careful of that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, when when you grow up in the Lord after a while, you kind of think to yourself, man, I got sure much more important things to do than to sit around trying to find fleas on somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I got better things to do with my time. Amen. You know, the church's problem throughout ages has been idleness. We don't know how to employ the church to carry out the Great Commission. Few churches do. You don't see them taking groups of people out, praying for the sick and, and, you know, getting homeless shelters empty and that kind of stuff. They might package up some leftover clothes or food and send it down there to the homeless, but they're not interacting and involved with them. Where Jesus interacted and was involved with anybody. When the multitudes came to hear him speak, there were all kinds of people in those crowds. 
It was who, for whosoever. And so we can't like pick our crowd that we're going after. We just have to open the door for the whosoever's. And if God starts to point out to us people that really need him, we have to make sure that we pray about doing our part to get the gospel to those individuals, to get Christ to them, to get them understanding, amen, to offer eternal life to them. And so many of our church problems come from idleness, not doing what we're supposed to do with our time, amen. We're sitting around committees and groups and auxiliaries and this one competing about this one raising money over here and trying to beat this one raising money over there and you know and this the 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 highways and hedges out there full of people that need to be spoken to about the lord see and so we can keep ourselves out of a lot of trouble if we get about the father's business amen just just go about sharing christ with people before you go in the supermarket, you know, put a tract in your pocket or a, 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 a healing tract. There are all kind of people that need to be healed all the time. And so if we will do those things, it will find that that God is is growing us up and helping us to mature. And he has all kinds of tools for us to use. Amen. Uh, many churches tell people not to. You can't do that. You know, we want just like they did the Pharisees did Jesus. They didn't want people listening to him. They didn't want they would they would persecute the twelve that he ordained, his disciples. They were always trying to corner them and get them away from Jesus so they could grill them with a bunch of questions. Amen. And so that persecution is just gonna be there. Religion will always persecute truth. Those who are hostile to God are not, uh, not easily, um, uh, I guess, understood or, or it's not easy to give them understanding because they have a, a different agenda. And so we have to begin to pray for the people that God wants us to contact. You can contact people anywhere. You can, you can make your phone your ministry. Just tell the Lord, have people call me that need you. You know, I, I would tell people all the time, they say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I get the wrong number. I said, honey, I never have any wrong numbers. I always ask God to have people put me in contact with people that need to know about him. And I'll just talk to them about the Lord. See what I'm saying? And so it's an easy thing to do. It's not that hard. I should do it more frequently. I get caught up in Whatever's going on, you know, the, the things that I have going on ain't that numerous, but whatever's going on, it's easy to get caught up in that and put the Great Commission off to the side. But God wants us to keep it in the forefront all the time, all the time. So, uh, so anywhere, anyway, there's warfare in the book of Acts. You see the warfare being acted out over the name of Jesus. Amen. So they, they crucified Christ over his name. Amen. They just did it for envy. You know, a lot of times people don't know why a good reason why they do certain things. They just are caught up in their feelings, emotions, and whatever. And they attack certain things for for just almost no reason. They just don't like it. So they attack it. And so many times you would see that uh, with, with the... Um, uh, uh, the church leaders, 
they were constantly accusing Jesus of being illegitimate, of, uh, of doing things out of order. You know, it's a Sabbath. You're not supposed to heal people on the Sabbath. No work on the Sabbath day. Or they catch the disciples eating, uh, just going through the cornfield, and they just peel the ear of corn back and rub the silk off of it and bite into it. And they said, your disciples don't wash their hands enough for us. Why would you just let them do that? And so anything to, that's what persecution is. Anything to jab and dig and make somebody uncomfortable. That's, that's what persecution is. And it was constant for Jesus. And it became constant for his followers. And it, it was constant for the, and it's constant now. Amen. Because if the enemy can catch us and make us, uh, quit doing what we're doing for God, quit, uh, praying for the sick, quit giving, quit preaching, quit sharing Christ with people, then he's about doing that. So it, it's been persecution. It'll always be persecution. And, uh, what, what we can do though is we can pray against it hindering the gospel. You don't want it to get so intense that it silences people. So we've got in this country, in fact in the world now, we've got a war against free speech. And it's, trust me, it's aimed at the church. It's not aimed at these people that got little Facebook pages and you know, what they put on there, it's aimed at us. Amen. We're not feeling all of it yet, but it's definitely aimed at us. I was looking where uh, somebody was saying that uh, they have a certain goal as to how many people they want to be vaccinated. And it, the, they've already dropped uh, the idea that it's the evangelical Christians that are going to give them the hardest time. So Satan's already planted that idea out there. Amen. Because they know if you live for God, you don't really need to get stuck. If you're living in the word, you you don't need that. Amen. And you're taking something that's not as effective as not taking anything. Somebody better read something. Y'all better keep up with this stuff because people are being influenced to do things that are not really necessary to do. You know, what you take is between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, I've been standing on the word all this time. Why would I take something that's 95% effective and not taking anything is 99% effective? You're lessening your odds. You're increasing your odds of getting sick from it by taking the jab, according to statistics. Amen. So just don't be swayed. Let God show you what you need to do. You've survived. Everybody in here survived, what, 15 months, almost a year and a half. Nobody got sick. Amen. You know, you just do common sense things. You don't go running from place to place. You stay with your family. You know, you don't go unnecessary places. Not many places you can go. Necessary or unnecessary. And so, but, but if they close down a church and open Walmart, hmm, that gives me reason for pause. You need to stop and think about that. You need to stop and think because the devil knows who his, his trouble, where his trouble comes from. 
He knows it comes from blood-washed people who will worship God and praise God and read their Bible and pray. That's where his trouble comes from. So if he can stop that, he'll have a good day. Amen? And he's been stopping it to a large degree. But God. God always has a remnant that will stand up against the, the trouble that the enemy tries to put upon us and will come out and worship God and obey God and like like they've always done. You know, it's no different now. You just use a little little precaution, common sense things. You don't gather big crowds and try to run around and be close to different people all the time. You start getting involved with different groups of people and hopscotching around. That'll kind of increase your chances of being able to pick up something from somebody. So you you do the simple common sense things. Stay with your family. You got your family at home. Go home to your family. Amen. And and those kinds of things. And, and you know you do your shopping. You you know if you can order online, you like that, do that. But you can live and you can still come and worship. Amen. You can start still come and and we're allowed to. We have since the whole thing started. We've been allowed to social distance. You know, and, and keep our distance from one another, and and it's been a blessing, amen. So, so you have to understand where this war came from, how it's being acted out in our day and age, amen. In our day and age, we are being persecuted by people who don't want us to speak in the name of Jesus. It's the same thing it was in the Book of Acts. The people who are are um uh killing people uh, or deplatforming people on social media don't want the gospel out. They'll say it's other things, you know. They do their fact-checking. They can't fact-check God because he checks out everywhere. But they can get as close as they can, amen, and discouraging his people, scattering people so that people can't gather together. Um People, uh, I saw God making headway with many people who just were against abortion and against certain things. You know, they, they call themselves conservative in their thinking, but there are a lot of Christians on there. And I saw people encourage each other to pray and, uh, if so and so I'm having a difficult time, we'll pray for you, we'll pray for you. And so you can't kill this thing. You can't kill, you step on the gospel and it'll just spread out even more. Amen. When the church, early church was persecuted, they stopped them at Jerusalem and then they fled to other places, but they kept preaching the gospel. Amen. Even though they were warned many times not to preach in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus uh, has had all judgment committed to him. He is the judge of all. Amen. That's very important for us to understand because that's one of the things that the enemy hates is written judgments. That's why when, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in Luke chapter 4, he said, it is written. That's a written judgment. You don't think that upsets the devil? That drives him crazy. Amen? Because he likes to get people to make up their own truth so that he can refute it and he can walk all over us. But when you tell the devil it's written, he knows it's written against him. Everything that God has written is against Satan. Amen. 
The Bible says that it is it is the privilege of the saints to carry out the written judgments of God. Amen. And so when we understand, let me turn to that. It's in um, Psalms. Let me see. Yeah, here we go. Um, it says, praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and is praise in the congregation of the saints. That's verse 1. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praise unto him with a timbrel and heart, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in their glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with iron and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor has all the saints. So the first part of that uh, warfare was in the natural. That was to Israel. This is our part. We're executing written judgments against the enemy. When you pray the word, when you bind and loose, those are written judgments that you are executing against Satan. That's why he hates uh, saints that know their authority and use it. Instead of just talking about him all the time or bragging on what you can do and will do, go and hit him upside the head and take something from him. Execute a written judgment. You know, we go through the earth with warrants in our pockets. We're not helpless and we're not hopeless. We have lots of armament to levy against the enemy. Amen. And so this this is the privilege of the saints of God. Everybody can do it. Your children can do it. The old people can do it. The young people, everybody in between can do it. You don't have to have some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, longevity sitting on a pew to be able to tell the devil where to go. You can do it day one. Amen. And so we have to understand this. We, we have, the Bible says resist him, submit to God, resist the devil. He must flee. In other words, he's got to drop what he's got and run off in terror, amen, to save his own hide. And so we 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 have to understand what the written judgments are. And, and when you see evil in the world, you can on your own decide to take authority over it, to put a stop to it, to put an end to it. If you look at the prayer manual, it's got lots of prayers in there. That you might say, well, whose business is, is it of yours to pray this? Well, it's our business because we got warrants. We got warrants to serve. Just like when the marshals uh, go and knock on somebody's door. It ain't personal. They don't know those people. But they got written warrants. They got serve, uh, they got to serve, uh, papers on, to, to arrest them. Amen. So we have warrants out on the devil to arrest him anytime we see him. Once it, once it falls into the hands of the marshals, you can be picked up by any of them. And anybody they deputize, they can delegate authority to somebody else to come get you. 
So these warrants, this is, this is the problem in the earth. Nobody's processing, uh, serving their warrants like they should. They're compromising with the devil. Just trying to get along, trying to make it on through whatever, you know, the excuse is. Too much compromise with the enemy in too many areas. You gotta stay sanctified, close to God. He set us apart. Now stay where he put you. Go roaming everywhere. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 So, uh, in John 5.22, I think it was where, uh, Jesus talked about judgment was delegated to him from the Father. So, so all judgment is in his hands and he gave it to us, to the church. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me and I grant you that power. Amen. That's the essence of the Great Commission is we have authority and we have power. We're not begging people to get saved. We're not begging them to come to church. We're not begging them to do anything. We're exercising spiritual authority against the enemy who is keeping them bound. Amen. So start exercising authority over the devil who's got people in darkness. Got them thinking they're, they're getting away with something when they don't live for God. You know, like they're, they're having their cake and eating it too. They're just too lazy to resist the devil or too lazy to think about. Maybe this Christian life is better. Maybe I should think about that for a little bit and ask God to show me if that life is better for me than the life I'm living. It just takes some some simple examination. People examine a hamburger more than they do their lives. You know, they'll look at it, scrutinize it, and how much cholesterol is it got? I like me some soy stuff. I don't eat all this fatty meat. You know, we give more consideration to something that's just going to pass through the body than we do eternity. Amen? You need to examine that, you know. Like, look at this for a minute. <laughs> Amen. Examine this. Amen. So, so, uh, Jesus then is, is able to impart that authority to believers. Now, when the disciples were with him doing his earthly ministry, I was thinking about this. I said, what did they do? How did they minister to people? I mean, they, they of course, preached the kingdom when they went, when he commissioned the 12 and says he gave them authority over certain things. He gave them authority over demons, over sickness. Amen. And so I believe they probably ministered just like they saw Jesus minister. If they felt led to lay hands on somebody, they laid hands on them. They commanded those demons to come out. And they obeyed. They commanded sickness to depart. And sickness departed. They did all the acts of Jesus. Now think about this. The, the, the religious leaders of the day thought they could stop that. So when they, they sent Jesus to Pilate and demanded he be crucified, the religious leaders thought that was the end of it. After Jesus was crucified, the disciples scattered and hid. So they vacated the church, the temples, their little groups that they would get together in. Everybody was in hiding 
until Jesus came out of the tomb. When he came out of the tomb, he empowered them directly with the Holy Spirit. When he, the first disciples that he met, he breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. Until that time, they had a, a, a remission of sins and water baptism to designate they belonged to Christ. So they were held, they were held in that faith. There's always faith in everything God has us do. They were held in that level of faith until Jesus went to the cross, paid the price to release his spirit to them. So after he was raised from the dead, he met a group of disciples and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now I gotta find something else to show you again. Praise God. It's called, they refer to it as a Bethany experience. Every good Baptist will tell you, show this to, to you. Thank you, Jesus. John, which one? 20 and verse. Gotcha. Okay, so Jesus has appeared to them, and in verse 21 says, Peter seeing him says to Jesus, oh, you know, there's a controversy here, of course, you know, once, once everybody knows it's okay to be themselves again, they start being themselves. So Peter's comparing himself with everybody, of course, and, uh, he said, Jesus said in verse 16, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yea, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Boy, what an indictment against preachers who don't open their churches now. You know, the Lord told me when I first started ministry, he took me to this scripture. He said, don't talk about loving me if you don't feed my people. He said, I mean, feed everybody I bring. Don't make any distinction between anybody. Don't separate anybody out. He said, freely give food to my people. That's spiritual food and natural food. You got to feed people in the natural if you love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That's what he did. And so he said a third time, Simon, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So this is a must do to prove your love to Christ for somebody who's called to the ministry. Amen. And so our mandate as preachers is to keep constant word pouring out to God's people because they get famished or they'll wander off and eat something that doesn't, isn't for them if that, that connection is not kept. And so uh that's a, a covenant that that Jesus has with ministers, with fivefold ministers in particular. Amen. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to gird up yourself and walk where you want to go. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you, carry you where you don't want to go. And this he spoke signifying what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. 
and Peter turning about looking for somebody else to pull into the mix with him. It's like, why the only one this word is for? Amen. It's like a Facebook prophecy. This word is for somebody else too. And he says, uh, he said, Lord, what, what is this man going to do? You know, John, John was always the one, uh, no, uh, Peter always, what he, who did he see? He saw John, the one who leaned on, yeah. So John, the beloved, everybody knew John loved the Lord and the Lord loved John. And so it says, you know, when you see that the last supper pictures, the last supper, you always see a guy leaning on Jesus's chest, looking up at him. Says, oh yeah, that's John. We know that's job. And Jesus said, well, what if, what if I decide that he will tarry until I come? In other words, if I, what if I let him stay alive until I return? He said, that should make no difference to you. You just follow me. He said, then went this saying abroad among the brethren that, that John was not going to die. Yet Jesus said to him, he shall not die. But he said, that wasn't what he said. He said, this is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things and know this testimony. Okay, so where do I say receive receive ye the Holy Ghost? 22. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped over it. Oh, Lord. Well, that was good anyway, huh? Y'all didn't stop me? All right, I'm sorry. After these things. Okay, so here it is. Now, um, in verse 19, the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be unto you. So you can see the disciples were hiding from the religious leaders. When Jesus was killed, they thought it was all over. So Jesus has to coax them out. He has to get them out of hiding. When he so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, I even send you. Amen. So you're not going to stay in hiding forever. I'll get you out of here. And when he has said this, he breathed on them, and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So this is the impartation of the Holy Spirit for the remission of sins only. This is why people can get saved without getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. But they can also get both at the same time. Amen. Because the Bethany experience came as a single experience. And God honors it that way even now. Okay. And so a lot of times you'll think, well, you know, I got so much more after I start praying in tongues. And that is for us. That is the anointing for service. This one is for remission of sins, which means anybody who's born again can forgive anybody anything, and they can get forgiven of anything. And so it's it's not like you got to have a certain level of strength in God before you can forget about somebody that did you wrong decades ago. It's for all believers. We all have that ability. See, there are tons of people going around around now not living the life God, God wants them to live because they think they can't do it. It's so hard and all this. 
This was the first empowerment they received. That's the first uh, installation of the power of the Holy Spirit is for remission of sins. Other than that, nobody you couldn't keep yourself close to God long enough to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You got to have something to keep you there. And so they were imparted this for the remission of sins. Whoever sins they remitted were remitted to them. Whoever retained were retained. So, but Jesus told them also to not go and do any. He told him he would send them into the all the world to preach the gospel, but he would send power from on high to enable them to do it. So this was your personal empowerment. And I believe that God honored the way he honors it now. He honored it then as they went under this empowerment and shared with people the testimony of Jesus Christ, whoever heard and got faith received that too. So you receive the impartation for remission of sins as you hear somebody whose sins have been remitted. Amen. And so that's how the gospel spreads by word of mouth under the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the words we speak aren't just words. They're empowered words. Amen. You can only give people what you have. That's why people who don't pray in tongues can't, can't impart it to other people. You gotta have it yourself. Such as I have, I give you. Not such as I wish I had or such as they say I ought to have or such as I I should have but don't have it. It's such as I have. It has to be a working empowerment in your life before you can impart it. But that's how people get saved, by hearing the foolishness of preaching. You mean if I talk to somebody and testify of God's goodness, they'll hear and get saved? Yeah, if they'll confess. They'll confess their sins. He's faithful and just to forgive them, cleanse them, put them in a whole new. They'll be born again. New people on their way to heaven, not on their way to hell anymore. Whole new creatures. Just get out of their way and watch and see what God does to them and through them. Amen. And that's the beauty of salvation. You can see that word work on other people. You can see that experience be made real in other people. Amen. And, and, and so God honors what we, what we know. That's his mercy. I found that out. I would ask God sometimes and say, God, why are these people fighting us about tongues and they, they ought to be having it too. And, and, but they get away with just telling people part of the story. He said, well, you don't know it all either. Huh? You, you, you saved and you know tongues, but you don't know everything. He said, I have to honor what people know. I'll anoint knowledge. I'll anoint faith. But I got to get the ball rolling. He said, it's up to me to complete their faith. He said, so I know how to come along at some point and tell them, hey, you ain't got everything. There's more over here for you. I'll make them hungry to see sick people get up out the bed, and then they'll receive from me what they need. See? See, we always want to make a fight out of everything when it's really, God doesn't see it that way. He sees it as a blessing that we can impart to other people. So, so that's God's way. Amen. But you can understand now why there are people who are saved that aren't spirit filled and those who are. Amen. It's his desire for us all to receive 
the whole enchilada so we can be empowered to do the works of Christ. But we don't always get it all the time. We don't always get it all at one time. You have to get what you have faith to receive. Amen. And so, and then some people just carry an anointing to lead people to Christ and get them baptized in the spirit. You know, they have carry the faith for that. So as they share with people, it just rolls out of pretty soon the people say, I received Jesus. Yeah, same thing. Amen. It's about being empowered. It's not about being right. Sometimes we want to be right and make somebody else wrong because of what they don't believe that we believe. Amen. But God wants to draw people in to the power. He doesn't want to chastise people for not having it. Amen. He wants to draw them in. So God wants us to, to, to be reservoirs of his power and to release it onto others. It's the empowerment that's going to make the difference. Amen. Now we said the disciples, when Jesus walked the earth, were empowered, but not with the name of Jesus. They didn't do what they did in his name because that name was not conferred upon him as yet. Amen. He was given a name that is above every name. It, um, let me see. Is that Hebrews? Oh, yeah. I'm all over the place because I got scriptures all on the side of everything. And it says God highly exalted him and give, gave him a name above every name. Like I said, Philippians. All right. Thank you. See, I got it right here in, in my note, but I couldn't tell you which scripture was which. Oh, Philippians. Okay, Philippians 2, I have 9 and 10, is that right? Okay, 2, wherefore, it says, uh, uh, verse 7, he made himself of no reputation, so his name had no standing prior to, amen? No reputation means he was Jesus of Nazareth, Mary's son, and you know, so-and-so's brother, and but a prophet. Empowered by God, yada yada, no reputation, and 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 took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For that reason, God also highly exalted him. You don't die to anything what God doesn't give you more of something of him. This is not a game for losers. I mean, this isn't a life for losers. When you humble yourself and you die to certain things, you know, you get off the phone and quit calling everybody, decide to read your Bible. You know, you start wanting to do kind things for people, all of that. Uh, you That's dying to self. You're not exalting yourself anymore. And he says, for this reason, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. So it wasn't until the death at the cross that he was given a name above every name. You got it? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and give the Father the glory. Amen. So Jesus is the object 
of lordship, authority. Amen. He's highly exalted with the Father now. And so it gives glory to the Father that his son suffered all these things for us. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, it's the power of that name. Um, there is no other name. That name holds a special place in um, God's kingdom, in the earth, under the earth. It's the greatest name in all realms. There's no name higher than that. If an, another name comes along to try and challenge that, it must bow. Amen? If if God tells you um, you're healed and cancer tries to raise up in your body, you can make that cancer bow. Cancer, I command you in the authority of the name of Jesus to leave my body. And I mean now. You have no right to stay here one minute. I evict you by the authority of that name. And it has to move. But you better have faith in that name. See, this is what the enemy comes to steal, is the faith in the name. By having us use the name in all kinds of different ways. You know, just casual, throw it out there and see what will happen kind of thing. Don't dance around with the name of Jesus. Because if you just skirt around with it and throw it out at any little thing, you try to levy it against cancer, it won't work for you. Because you don't have faith in that name. And the gifting that that name, that follows that name. The judgment, the written judgment that's executed when that name is mentioned. See, when Peter and John came by that man at the gate, beautiful, and they told him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They were exercising faith in the name. This was new for them. They had been laying hands on people and getting them healed, but not in that name. See, when the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees killed Jesus, they didn't recognize that God had a plan for if he left, you can't kill the name. I'm going to leave a name that you have to respect. And so when the Pharisees start watching the disciples preach and teach, and and when they when their demons came into recognition of that name, they trembled. They got scared. That's what the Bible says. Faith without works is that you say you say you have faith without works. I'll show you my faith. By my works, demons have faith and tremble. So they have works to accompany their faith in the name of Jesus. They tremble when they hear that name. And so the the religious devils that were inside of those religious leaders began to get scared and nervous at the mention of that name. That's why when they would catch them preaching in the name of Jesus, they tell, by what name did you do? What, what, and what name did you use? And they said, Jesus, and they would shake and fall back. Don't use it. Don't say it. That, that was a conversation. It wasn't like, we don't like that name. And, uh, uh-uh, uh, they knew what that name was doing to them, to their devils. And that's why they got shook. That's, that's why they went to kill the disciples. Because the Pharisees did not have faith in the name. It wasn't the same. It didn't have the same effect on them. 
that it did on the disciples. The disciples loved the name. They embraced the name. They reverenced and honored the name of Jesus. The Pharisees, because they were anti-Christ, can't get that. They can repent and come out, get enlightened, repent and come out. But with that demon sitting up in them, uh, the only thing they can do is, oh, get away from me. I'm melting. You know, the, the you understand me now? That's their reaction. When you're from hell, you hate that name. So they would put them in jail. They would flog them and beat them and tell them, don't you preach in that name anymore. Ah, that name drives me crazy. That's the way they were saying it. They weren't saying it like, we got authority over you and we going to do something to you. It was, please don't. Oh, no, not that. Oh, don't say that around me. That was their reaction more than anything else. Because that name had a whole different power. It, this ain't the same Jesus. This ain't the same name y'all, that y'all had crucified. This name is highly exalted by the Father God. Amen. Okay, why don't we stop? We'll probably do some more tomorrow, I hope. (laughs) All right. Well, Lord, we thank you. (laughs) Amen. We bless you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done today and how you've helped us in understanding. And we love getting understanding. And we love you, Lord, and we bless you. And so, Father, we thank you for, for keeping us healed, whole, and saved. All of the things that we've got by our covenant of mercy, we thank you for those things. All right, why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by the stripes and the name of Jesus, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so degreed.